This is the Saxo Market Call. Daily insights on what is moving the financial markets. Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It's Tuesday, 22nd of November, 2022. And markets are really in pause mode. A bit of a negative session though yesterday, especially as I say here on slide two in the crypto and bubble verse, uh, really just still all about that one-off crazy multi-sigma move off the back of the CPI release um, last uh, last week. And then there's been no follow-up move, uh, or the week before last, I should say. And there's been no really follow-up move since then. So I'm not sure what we're waiting for, Peter, but uh, I'm getting a bit impatient. It's the same across, I think, a lot of the other markets as well. Interest rates, also the dollar with uh, the big sell-off just sort of pausing since we saw that uh, saw that dollar sell-off. So one thing that is on the move, though, and I, you know, it's in the headline again, the crypto and bubble verse of Tesla making very strong new lows. It is a key sort of uh, stock in the speculative space, the most speculated upon stock, certainly the options market, at least. Yeah, we um, <clears throat> we will talk about Tesla when we get to the stocks to watch. Um, yeah, we we we're fading this narrative around China reopening a smooth path, and 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 a lot of questions around that uh, for sure already. Um, it just feels like the equity market is very much in a limbo. We talked about it yesterday on the podcast. A lot of the ones that was right on inflation, long energy, you know, uh, long interest rates, short equities, they they've uh, got strong PLs for the year. They might not be uh, so active in this latter part of the year. So potentially, I I still think that you know there could be potentially some 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 rally dynamics because they the bears are potentially. Not really going to participate uh, and start uh, fresh when we when we roll into the new year. And we look if we look at the uh, the theme basket uh, performance, the it was very bad session uh, across all the themes. Um, a lot of the Chinese related, you know, the consumer technology, some of the high high duration stuff, screen transformation, gaming, and e commerce were also down a lot. But I think the, the the bigger picture and the most important discussion is sort of next year. This chart obviously shouldn't be a big surprise. It it shows on slide three here the on the x-axis the one year change in the operating margin in the MSCI World Index, and then on the y-axis you have the one year change in earnings per share. So this shows, of course, an association, not a causation. Those two things are not the same, uh, but there's association. And what it really what it really shows is that when you have a short time period of one year, then what really dictates the Predominantly, the change in the earnings per share is change in the profit margin and the operating margin, and then the residual. So the variation around this uh, this uh, linear regression line is to what extent you have more revenue growth or lower. What is the effective tax rate or uh, in that year? Did it go higher or lower? And the same with the financing cost due to rising or falling interest rates. And my point being is that so the causation is is. Uh, what can drive operating margins lower? Well, first of all, we're coming off extremely high operating margins, and there is a natural mean reversion process around that. So that alone will will take the operating margin down. That's one thing. We have very high wage pressure, both in Europe and the US. We showed a chart on the podcast recently. Um, it's the highest in more than 30 years. When you have that, there's immense pressure on the margin. It's also being stated by companies themselves. We have higher interest rates. Around a twenty percent of the outstanding debt from uh, from corporates in the world will be renewed or rolled over into higher uh, financing costs. And all of these things taken together, combined with revenue growth coming down, because we have the nominal growth rate coming down as well in the economy, I don't see how we can escape, you know, a declining earnings picture next year. 
And if you then combine that with increased uncertainty around the economy, then we would expect the equity risk premium to widen. So then we have a double whammy for next year, potentially with the low, a lower E and a lower price earnings ratio. And that's not a very pretty environment, to say the least, for the equity market. So uh, I think it's still about being patient <laughs> as an equity investor. All right. And also for uh, short term, certainly for uh, for the dollar, also about patience, because as as I indicated, that CPI released the week before last and the huge reaction to that has defined what's happening in the dollar, that big breakout lower. And we're you know sort of backpedaling a little bit. It seems to be a risk correlation, risk sentiment correlation locally. So obviously risk sentiment deteriorating dollar upside. And uh, you see a chart, for example, euro dollar. And we would you know need to see this working all the way back below 101 on the euro dollar to suggest a, uh, uh, you know, inkling of a reversal here, uh, maybe 145 on dollar yen. I think 145 and dollar yen would require that we're having a, uh, a move higher in U.S. 10-year rates, for example, back well above 4%. Um, just uh, on slide four, showing uh, that euro dollar chart and the FX uh, trend readings, and you see sterling quite uh, resilient. Curious there, the longer term picture, it just is so dire for the U.K., but uh, it is what it is, and uh, euro sterling is essentially breaking down within a, in a local context, tactically uh, breaking down through some key support levels. So there could be a bit more run there in that pair. And then the, the Kiwi strength, they're quite remarkable. The strongest currency is uh, they're reporting a terrible trade deficit, uh, but apparently on hopes that uh, that um, they're about to hike 75 basis points. I think as well, uh, Olin, this is over to you, the... Um, I think the Kiwi upside is on Aussie downside because we've been seeing this this reaction, this hope of the Chinese uh, reopening, unfolding uh, and then not unfolding and then back and forth. And the latest is uh, is back, certainly on the um, on the outlook for uh, for Chinese reopening. And that's the Aussie. So the currency, the Australian dollar is the most sensitive currency to that trade. And I guess in the uh, commodity space, the most sensitive uh, you know, individual uh, metal, for example, would be would be copper. Absolutely, John, and uh, and after that, and after that, uh, we got the oil price as well. But uh, take a look at the copper here on slide six. We we came close to that very critical resistance level last week. I think it's also close to the uh, media moving average. So uh, we got rejected. Now we've been we've been trading lower now for the past six days uh, in a row. It looks like we're trying to stabilize today around that uh, three fifty five uh, recent uh, local peak. Uh, high now, now potentially some support, um, but we only need to look uh, to the right hand side of the slide just to uh, understand what's uh, driving it. It is this uh, acceleration in COVID cases right now. Uh, China obviously um, announced a ten point plan recently to ease the the impact, the economic impact of COVID outbreaks, and we can see how the authorities clearly are struggling right now to whether they should go uh, go. Uh, Back to where they came from in terms of uh, stringent lockdowns or whether they're trying to find some middle path and and the result of this is basically an acceleration in, in daily cases and it's impacting uh, copper prices negatively at least in the short term we we can still only assume that well we have to assume that this will be a temporary uh, case and that's why the, uh, the this will not be a prolonged uh, negative impact have a prolonged negative impact on the markets the same same thing goes for uh, for brent crude and wti crude on slide five Yes, there was just a crazy, crazy day. Um, we were we were drifting lower based on the outbreaks in China and based on the yield curve in the U.S. pointing towards a recession, uh, an incoming recession. And then suddenly, this news broke from Wall Street Journal that um, that OPEC Plus was considering raising production ahead of the EU embargo next month. The market uh, subsequently tanked by almost five dollars. Before this uh, was denied by the Saudis, and we went straight back up again and to, to close the day on chains. 
this clearly is not something that's uh, good for a market already struggling with lower volumes and lower open interest because this was a day where buyers and sellers all got uh, pretty pretty badly badly hurt so um, this is not good for the for the for the market uh, sentiment overall today we are actually moving a bit higher uh, there is a a continued worry about the the lack of fuel products uh, around the world, especially in the U.S. and Northern Europe. Uh, we got the gasoline or uh, gas oil cracks, so basically the the refinery margins for producing diesel at a very elevated level relatively to where we are seasonally at this time of year. So that that basically it will continue to attract quite a bit of a, attention. And uh, on top of that, we may see this uh, price cap on oil being announced by the G7 uh, later this week. Russia has already said that anyone uh, participating in the cap will not receive any barrels from Russia. And that's just also adding to the potential upheavals in the market. And, and I think, again, will prevent the price from uh, from falling out of bed at, at this point in time. Okay. Uh, by the way, just a random random story uh, on copper. Just uh, look up 24M Technologies if you're interested. It's a little story I've been following or a company I've been following for many years. And suddenly they're starting to sign uh, some licensing agreements on their technology, uh, which uh, which may work considering they're looking at building uh, multiple gigafactories around the world with their uh, licensed uh, uh, partners to produce batteries, lithium-ion batteries, with a new process that reduces a lot of the uh, non-sort of battery-related or non-power-related elements of the battery by up to 80%, for example, on the copper and aluminum relative to previous uh, technologies. So very interesting if they're able to achieve that, uh, that type of reduction makes that alternative energy transition, at least in terms of the electrification and battery part of it, a little bit more possible than it would be under the old uh, technologies. Uh, but over back over to the speculative space we're talking about uh, and uh, segue into uh, back into equity. So we talked a little bit about Tesla and and you've, uh, you've also spoken a lot, uh, Peter, about that nexus of speculation Tesla and crypto and just one little crypto story just also just to flag it so people can watch it because I think crypto can become a catalyst uh, in, in just broader speculative terms after this FTX debacle because there was an FTX creditor and it's a large crypto trader and a crypto creditor if there is such a thing apparently Genesis uh, who is uh, apparently has a shortfall of some one billion dollars or so and is scratching around for liquidity and has warned of uh, bankruptcy and we're seeing the crypto space uh, under a lot of pressure this morning the market cap uh, broadly speaking slipping to new lows and below 800 billion but as i <clears throat> as i mentioned earlier peter uh, tesla is uh, falling pretty aggressively to new lows even though the broader market uh, is uh, still sort of uh, sideways here over the last uh, 10 days or so yeah it has been a long long road long journey for this risk cluster we initially talked about of we first talked about it Back in February 2021, when uh, the first batch of technology companies, very disruptive technology companies, was uh, zero, very little earnings, um, and 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 but high growth rates and very high uh, equity valuations, so the whole Ark Invest uh, complex, when that sort of came about and peaked out in February, we talked about it, and and we know from surveys that there is a huge overlap in the ones that have high uh, positions in crypto, also have position in Tesla and an Ark Innovation ETF or other of those types of stocks and the, the other red thread here is that it's predominantly men young men with a very high risk uh, tolerance and if you look at the combined uh, market value of crypto it was uh it was i think beyond two trillion dollars at one point even almost three almost three right and you had tesla and then you had arc and the whole complex of uh, very disruptive uh, or very high equity valued uh, companies then then maybe we had a combined market value of five to six trillion a lot of that has been now deflated we had a seven percent drop in tesla yesterday 
there's increasing nervousness. There was a big uh, mass recall in the U.S. Over 300,000 uh, Teslas were, um, <clears throat> was recalled the other day. Uh, this whole China reopening path, I think there's still a lot of questions. Um, there's a lot of competition in China. I don't think it's an easy market to to compete in for Tesla. And then there is the increased uncertainty around Elon Musk. He's spending a lot of time trying to save his uh, his Twitter company and his uh, his persona and his engagement on that social network. <clears throat> also, potential investigation for national security uh, reasons by the U.S. government. All these things are adding to potentially him destroying or at least diminishing his brand value. And is that is that a spillover effect into Tesla? Could people or some consumers actually, uh, could they choose a different brand simply because they don't like the the uh, like Elon Musk as a brand any longer? Um, I think there's a lot of things going on here. And I think if we, uh, we Kim, uh, Kim Kramer last now, technical analysis, uh, he said that, you know, 110 is, uh, th- there is a support level just under 150 in the share price here for Tesla. We are on slide seven, by the way. And then, the next big one is down at 110. And if you look at Tesla's operating metrics and you look how the rest of the car industry is priced, I mean, there is still, from a fundamental perspective, uh, ample room to fall more for Tesla. And I think it's all about these domino effects because especially Tesla and crypto, a lot of people had extremely concentrated positions. So when when the value falls a lot, you you get a weak hand or you, you get nervous and you sell and it just cascades and if you have used it for collateral collateral elsewhere, it's something to really be aware of. I, and I've said it repeatedly on this podcast as well. I don't think that this bear market ends before Tesla has capitulated and puked uh, big time. And uh, maybe that process has begun right now. Uh, I don't want to comment too much on Zoom video. You can you can read what I have been uh, writing here on the slide deck. Uh, a quick comment on Disney. We talked about it, Disney and the Disney earnings uh, recently where I said it was just unacceptable totally unacceptable for Disney to have Disney Plus being far bigger now than, than 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 Netflix and have almost a quarter of a billion paying subscribers and not being able to to turn that into a profit and they said 2024 was the the year for break even it's just unacceptable and apparently uh, I don't think the the board of directors listened to me but maybe somewhere some other people had the same thinking because the board of directors ousted the uh, the now the former CEO and the former CEO before the former CEO Bob Iger was now announced as the new CEO, uh, as you said, John, maybe a caretaker to find the next one because he he is, I, I guess, still want to go into retirement. But it's just Disney is really up in the air and the performance has been very lackluster. So, uh, but I I'm st- I, I I I doubt. I mean, the Disney share price reacted positively yesterday to that, this news. I don't really think that maybe Bob Bob Iger can make a big difference. But that's maybe just my cynical take here. But it's, you know, when you see a stock under pressure, you see a bit of good news. Then, it, uh, you know, the positioning is leaning one way and then suddenly you get a news yes. item that uh, has everybody fleeing for the exits to reassess. Uh, yeah, well, we talked to I think we talked to most of these earnings yesterday. Is there anything you want to update on the earnings watch uh, this week here on slide eight? Not not, not really, except for uh, I've just, I'm highlighting HP on slide eight. You can see the figures, uh, 12% decline on revenue. That's a massive slowdown and even contraction in PC sales and especially enterprise technology spending. So um, it's going to be a, a, a weak report. But otherwise, uh, we are, I think, after the close now in Hong Kong trading. Uh, so we're just waiting for uh, Quaisho Technology, which is this big social media company in China to report. It's, uh, it's one of the bellwethers in, in their technology index. All right, that's on to the macro calendar then on slide nine. A few bits and pieces. Hungary expected to stand pat at a 13% uh, interest rate and, uh, or sorry, policy rate with uh, wage growth there hitting at times 20%. They have their work cut out for them in terms of getting inflation down. 
Interesting little item that uh, UK Office for Budget Responsibility. I think uh, maybe uh, some touchiness around the uh, projections around the budget uh, as well. And then uh, really the key after a couple of Fed spe- uh, speakers later, we have the RBNZ out tonight with their official cash rate announcement. Market divided on whether they go with another 50 basis point move or a 75 basis point move. Um, again, I think a lot of the Kiwi strength has been at the expense of the Aussie related to this uh, concerns over China. But uh, I think the RBNZ, I would be surprised if they want to go for the 75 basis points. First of all, they have been early out hiking rates. They've done so aggressively. Why not just uh, do another 50 and, and continue to s- assess how policy is impacting the economy? Um, and also, we've seen this tremendous Kiwi strength. We've seen the Kiwi versus the dollar up something like 10% uh, off the lows. So uh, I, I don't see any reason for them to panic. But you know, maybe they will. I'm just surprised that uh, I would be surprised if the Kiwi can maintain its a scale of strength we've seen against the broader set of G10 currencies. And then tomorrow is the last day before the long Thanksgiving weekend in the U.S. There is a half session open on Friday, as said, in the U.S., but uh, there is a lot of data crammed into that day ahead of the uh, the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. And we get the first look at these uh, preliminary uh, services and manufacturing PMI. Uh, Europe really got off easy in November with uh, on the energy front uh, so far with mild weather that's changed a little bit here recently in the last couple of days but uh it's very poorly positioned still despite having filled up the energy uh, storage uh, if uh, if we continue to get some colder weather and we have a fairly normal or colder uh, winter this uh, uh, this season all right that's a wrap for today uh, let's uh, stay on our toes out there stay careful and we'll be back tomorrow for the next saxo market call thanks for listening this has been the saxo market call for feedback and questions reach out to us on twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com. <laughs>